the Bible, the book that has changed the world by changing lives around the world. Men and women, young and old, the Bible has changed my life. The love, stability, and hope that I need, they're all found in the Bible. The Bible gives me hope that a new day is coming. The Bible is helping me see what really matters. The Bible Live is a -a one-of-a-kind, first-time-in-history radio program. Offering you the chance to hear a 15 to 20 minute Bible reading each weeknight. The entire Bible, every year. Hear the scriptures, then call in with your comments and questions. This is the best show in the world. Well, actually, I was speaking against everything you were talking about before, and uh, now I, I stand humbly corrected. I'm a pastor, and our people really need to know the word more. The Bible also transformed the life of your Bible Live host. A full-blooded Apache Indian, born out of wedlock and abandoned at birth. Soapy Dollar was found in a big city alley by a kind-hearted fortune teller, then passed around to 16 families before he was six years old. Placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys, Soapy Dollar heard the Bible's life-changing message at the age of eight, and the course of his life was changed. He's an American Indian guitar play it all around rodeo cowboy. I keep my thumb between the pages and my heart in the book. With more degrees than a thermometer and over 40 years of introducing folks just like you to the God of the Bible. Here is Soapy Dollar. <laughs> the last thing I hear coming on the air is a yeehaw from our. Engineer Jackie, thank you, Jack, for that yeehaw. That's uh, just the right tone we needed for tonight. Hello, folks. Glad you're with us for the Bible Live this evening. We are coming up on one of the great readings, one of the great interactions in the Scriptures. It's been building up now as Jesus has now come into Jerusalem this Holy Week, the week of his Passion. He has begun to interact with the religious leaders in, in a very direct, very dangerous way confronting directly not only their errors, but with the clear representation of who he is as the Messiah. And so we come to this great passage, John chapter 8, this conversation between Jesus, the light of the world, and his Jewish critics, Jewish leadership, the religious leaders, those who are in the political leadership there in Jerusalem. Some people get upset when someone says, well, I'm a a Messianic Jew. Others say, I'm a Christian believer. I'm a follower of Jesus, the Messiah. The honest, the true statement is there is no difference. I am an Apache Indian. We have our our own Native American religious rituals and traditions, but I worship Jehovah, the God of the Jewish people. I read the book of the Jewish people, the prophets of the Jewish people, and I follow the Jewish Messiah who came and was predicted and prophesied in the Jewish scriptures, central to the Jewish faith. To a great, great extent, it is not being dishonest at all for me to say that I am Jewish. Some people get upset when someone says, well, I'm a Messianic Jew. According to Jesus, as you listen tonight, that is a true Jew. We need to understand our roots are in Judaism. There's no doubt about it. Well, I just had to get that off my chest. We're going to go to Proverbs. We've been listening to wisdom personified over these past few weeks in in the Proverbs. Tonight, folly is also personified. Proverbs 9, verses 10 through 18. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in understanding. 
Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. The woman named Folly is loud and brash. She is ignorant and doesn't even know it. She sits in her doorway on the heights overlooking the city. She calls out to men going by who are minding their own business. Come home with me, she urges the simple. To those without good judgment, she says, Stolen water is refreshing. Food eaten in secret tastes the best. But the men don't realize that her former guests are now in the grave. End of reading Proverbs 9, 10 through 18. Listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Beautiful song. Focusing in on the Messiah. That's what we're doing now as we turn to the Gospel of John. Tonight, Jesus interacts with the religious leaders in a very clear confrontation about his identity, who he is, and how it relates to the Jewish revelation that we have in the Old Testament and to the Jewish people. As you reject the Messiah, then at that point, we can no longer relate to God through the Old Covenant. You cannot unknow what you know. You cannot unhear the message. And of course, when the Holy Spirit touches your heart and convinces you and shows you clearly that Jesus is the Messiah, once you've understood that, then you are responsible for what you decide about the Messiah himself. It's a very, very powerful confrontation between the Jewish leaders and Jesus. And, of course, it begins with this second of the great I am's of the Gospel of John, I am the light of the world. And again, we'll see Jesus saying, I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father tells me to say. He is not doing what he's doing, none, his miracles or his teaching, by his own right, authority, and power as God. He is God, but that's his challenge as Messiah, to walk under the yoke of faith and trust and obedience to the Father. The Bible Life. John 8, 1 through 9, 41. John 8. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and Pharisees brought a woman they had caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, stone her. But let those who have never sinned throw the first stones. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to her, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Jesus said to the people, I am the light of the world. 
If you follow me, you won't be stumbling through darkness, because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, You are making false claims about yourself. Jesus told them, These claims are valid, even though I make them about myself. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you don't know this about me. You judge me with all your human limitations, but I am not judging anyone. And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect because I am not alone. I have with me the Father who sent me. Your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness, and my Father who sent me is the other. Where is your Father, they ask? Jesus answered, Since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my Father is. If you knew me, then you would know my Father too. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury, but he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Later, Jesus said to them again, I am going away. You will search for me and die in your sin. You cannot come where I am going. The Jewish leaders ask, Is he planning to commit suicide? What does he mean? You cannot come where I am going. Then he said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am who I say I am, you will die in your sins. Tell us who you are, they demanded. Jesus replied, I am the one I have always claimed to be. I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't, for I say only what I have heard from the one who sent me, and he is true. But they still didn't understand that he was talking to them about his Father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will realize that I am he and that I do nothing on my own. But I speak what the Father taught me, and the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do those things that are pleasing to him. Then many who heard him say these things believed in him. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you keep obeying my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone on earth. What do you mean set free? Jesus replied, I assure you that everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you will indeed be free. Yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham. And yet some of you are trying to kill me because my message does not find a place in your hearts. I am telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are following the advice of your father. Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied, for if you were children of Abraham, you would follow his good example. I told you the truth I heard from God, but you are trying to kill me. Abraham wouldn't do a thing like that. No, you are obeying your real father when you act that way. They replied, We were not born out of wedlock. Our true father is God himself. Jesus told them, If God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I am saying? It is because you are unable to do so. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning and has always hated the truth. 
There is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone whose father is God listens gladly to the words of God. Since you don't, it proves you aren't God's children. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The people retorted, You Samaritan devil! Didn't we say all along that you were possessed by a demon? No, Jesus said, I have no demon in me, for I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. And though I have no wish to glorify myself, God wants to glorify me. Let him be the judge. I assure you, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. The people said, Now we know you are possessed by a demon. Even Abraham and the prophets died, but you say that those who obey your teaching will never die. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? Are you greater than the prophets who died? Who do you think you are? Jesus answered, If I am merely boasting about myself, it doesn't count. But it is my father who says these glorious things about me. You say he is our God, but you do not even know him. I know him. If I said otherwise, I would be as great a liar as you. But it is true, I know him and obey him. Your ancestor Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. The people said, You aren't even fifty years old. How can you say you have seen Abraham? Jesus answered, The truth is, I existed before Abraham was even born. At that point, they picked up stones to kill him. But Jesus hid himself from them and left the temple. John 9 As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Teacher, his disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it a result of his own sins or those of his parents? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. He was born blind so the power of God could be seen in him. All of us must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent me, because there is little time left before the night falls and all work comes to an end. But while I am still here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and smoothed the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, Is this the same man, that beggar? Some said he was, and others said, No, but he surely looks like him. And the beggar kept saying, I am the same man. They asked, Who healed you? What happened? He told them, The man they called Jesus made mud and smoothed it over my eyes and told me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash off the mud. I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man to the Pharisees. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Now as it happened, Jesus had healed the man on a Sabbath. The Pharisees asked the man all about it, so he told them, He smoothed the mud over my eyes, and when it was washed away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man Jesus is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, But how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees once again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, This man who opened your eyes, who do you say he is? 
The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders wouldn't believe he had been blind, so they called in his parents. They asked them, Is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he see? His parents replied, We know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. He is old enough to speak for himself. Ask him. They said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said he is old enough to speak for himself. Ask him. So for the second time they called in the man who had been blind and told him, Give glory to God by telling the truth, because we know Jesus is a sinner. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they cursed him and said, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know anything about him. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know anything about him. Well, God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Never since the world began has anyone been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't do it. You were born in sin, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? Because I would like to. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, the man said, I believe, and he worshipped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I have come to judge the world. I have come to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. The Pharisees who were standing there heard him and asked, Are you saying we are blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. End of reading, John 8, 1 through 9:41. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. You're listening to God's talk show, The Bible Live. Will I be able to speak at all? I don't know. I can only imagine. I'm telling you, if you weren't just blown over by this reading tonight, I'm not sure there's anything in the scriptures that would grab you. It's just such a powerful passage. This interaction goes to the very core of who Jesus the Messiah is and what his objective was and humility, submitting himself voluntarily to the will of the Father, total dependence on the Father as he very courageously, I believe, in this passage confronts the religious authorities, the powers of that be. And these are men and women who had the potential of taking his life, of killing him. He has to confront this religious system, these religious leaders about his identity. Here Jesus is the fulfillment of all of those centuries of prophecies, all of those predictions, 
born in Bethlehem, his flight as a child down into Egypt, raised in Nazareth. Those things were predicted in the Old Testament scriptures, riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, detail after detail after detail of his life. Simple folk, simple people who truly just genuinely believe in God and desire God, they respond to the good news. Jesus is good news for anyone who truly desires a confident, secure relationship with the creator of the universe. His message is not condemning. His message is one of hope and security. He offers something very positive and good. Not only forgiveness of our sin, we need more than just forgiveness. Just like the woman caught in adultery, he forgave her, but then he finishes, go and sin no more. There is that second part of the redemptive plan. Regeneration, forgiveness, cleansing, that is the first part. We are seen no more as fallen, sinful human beings, but as forgiven and cleansed because Jesus has now clothed us with his perfect righteousness, that righteousness that he earned for us by walking out a perfect life of faith and trust and obedience to the Father. So now we are forgiven. God loves and forgives us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. He will receive you, forgive you, take off that sin, clothe you in his righteousness. Then he's going to continue to work in your life and walk with you to transform you. And you will become closer and closer and closer, more like the wonder, the beautiful person that you were created to be because of the work of the Holy Spirit in you. And we'll be seeing that now as we go further into the Gospel of John. He's going to begin to promise and speak to them about the Holy Spirit. He said, I've got to go away now. It's not enough for me to just come. That's not the whole redemptive plan. I'm going to die, and I'm going to bust out of that grave with resurrection power, life-giving power of God. And the Spirit of God now is going to come to your heart and escort you to glory. He's going to walk with you. He's going to teach you, train you. He's going to chip off those rough edges. He's going to take the sandpaper and polish you up to become the beautiful, unique person that you were intended and created to be. God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. You see that in the story of the woman here. She's forgiven, but he also adds that part, go now and sin no more. Your life is going to be transformed. And then we see the second now of the great I am's. These I am statements are so powerful. In John chapter 8, verse 58, at the end of that interaction with these Jewish religious leaders, they say, you're not even 50 years old yet. How can you say you have seen Abraham? And he says, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham even existed, I am. That's why you see them leaning over to pick up stones to stone him to death, because they were furious for one in their hatred, but also that is a capital crime to equate oneself and to say that I am God. This is clearly what Jesus has done. And, of course, it will ultimately end in his death. But these I am statements, as we heard tonight, I am the light of the world. All of these hold that kernel. All of these hold that claim to deity, that claim to be the Messiah, who is indeed the Son of God made man. I don't know what you are hearing as you listen to this passage. I'm hoping it's filling your heart with joy, with celebration, with delight that God has become a man, with the beauty of his plan to see it walked out and lived out, this perfect life of faith that Jesus has. And he's walking in a real world. It's not some fairy tale, not some Easter bunny thing. This is a real man walking in a real world with real problems and difficulties and real pain and suffering. 
We read about that tonight as well, this blind man. What a powerful question. Why is there suffering in the world? A lot of people ask that question. Why is there suffering? Why are there drug addicts and alcoholics? And why is Johnny Erickson Tata having to live her whole life now in a wheelchair? And why are there people who have terrible illnesses? And why are there starving, suffering children in the world? And so on and so on and so on. The question is, why was this person, if you want to bring it down to this individual, why was he born blind? Was it because some kind of sin in his life or his parents' lives? That was one perspective, and that's something that a lot of people look to immediately. If something's wrong in your life, it's because you're a terrible sinner. Some of the things in my life that I suffer from and have had difficulty with, they are because of sin. A lot of my wounds are self-inflicted. There's no doubt about it. But Jesus makes it clear here that sin is not the bottom line. Sin is not. It's not because of his parents' sins or his sin. This is so the power of God could be manifested and seen in his life. What a beautiful, powerful statement. What better day, what better time to surrender your heart and your life to the true and living God and to His Messiah, the Savior He has sent into the world, than today. I want to encourage you, if you've not made that decision yet in your own life, to be reconciled to God, to make peace with God, to enter into that secure, confident relationship with your Creator. Would you not do it today? Don't hold off. Don't wait. Come into that relationship with God. He loves you so. Turn loose of that sin or whatever might be holding you back. Surrender your heart and life to Him. John himself said, if you receive Him, as many as receive Him as Savior and Lord, He gives them the right to become God's children. Just tell the Lord, Lord Jesus, I open the door. Come into my heart today. And He'll do it. He promised He would. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Kendall House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to the Bible Live Post Office Box 18888. That's the Bible Live P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today and in one year's time we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.